Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast. I'm David Lally, producer of the podcast, and I'm happy to be here with you today. Earlier this week, our guest, Maya Shankar, joined us to talk about a slight change of plans, which is also the name of her podcast. Uh, We've all experienced a change of plans in our lives, but of course, we're here today to talk to our host, Brian Buffini. Brian, I'd love to hear about a few slight change of plans that you've had in your life. Yeah, I've had more than a few, as you would well know, and I've had a few major ones. As I started to think about the interview we did with Maya and then thinking about my own life, which I'm sure everybody does uh, when they listen to these programs, you know, I, I thought about the first, you know, major one I can think of was you know, one I've referenced before was the motorcycle accident. You know, I come to the States, I'm on vacation, I have a, a certain thought in life of how my life is going to be. In fact, even though I ended up having four of my brothers move to the States, I always thought I'd be the guy to live in Ireland. I was very connected to the Irish culture, Irish sports, Irish music, and never thought I would ever live in the States, even though the opportunity wasn't there really in Ireland at the time, certainly in the mid-80s. I thought I could make a go of it in Ireland. So I came out to America and I'm here. I had a brother in Laguna Beach and he opened up a clothing store. I went to go see him. He loaned me this motorcycle. And so I'm just having a good time, right? I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm in San Diego. How could you not enjoy yourself? It's sunny. There was beautiful girls around the place. It was on the beach. I was selling t-shirts down by the Pacific Beach area. I was having the, the time of my life. So when I had the motorcycle accident, it was a change of plans and it was instant and very similar to you know, when Maya talked about, boom, she rips a tendon in her finger. And, you know, this is, you know, you think about it. You go to Juilliard at nine, you know, you're, you're with Itzhak Perlman at 13. You're on a certain glide path. And again, she denies that she was a prodigy because she said, I've been around prodigies and I wasn't one of those. But whatever the next step beyond a prodigy was, she was obviously that. And so here comes the injury and now she's done. So sometimes you get those things. And sometimes people never recover from that stuff. And that motorcycle accident, and I've talked about it many times as part of the good life, that although it was a very bad thing, and, you know, here I was, you know, in hospital, gangrene in the leg, I'm six weeks in the hospital, they can't fix me. Then finally, they put rods and screws in my leg, and they go, hey, we're going to have surgeries over the next two years. Like, I was done. Like, my chance to go home was over. I was here in America. I was up to my eyeballs in debt. I couldn't even leave the country. And out of that, obviously, a lot of good things came. I was here. I was in America. I was in California. I met Beverly. You know, I was an ambitious, hardworking guy. So, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But that was a major change of plans. And I think when most people think of a change of plans, it was interesting, even Maya talking about it, she always brought up negative examples. But I don't think all the major change in plans are, are negative. You can have a positive one. And if I was to fast forward many, many years later right here, I'd become this successful realtor. So successful that as a young age, they're saying, hey, Brian, can you come out and speak? And like, I think about it, I'm 26, and they're asking me to come and share my story. And, you know, I was killing it in real estate at the time. And so I look back on it now, and I go, that was a bit young, <laughs> you know? And so I go out, and I'm asked to speak at a conference, and I'm telling a few stories. As You know, you and I have done a thousand stories together over the 20 years and traveled all over the world together. We're, we're pretty good at telling stories and being Irish. I tell a few stories and I tell them a few how-tos and next thing you know, there'll be a standing ovation or a line out the door to talk to me. 
a number of times I did this and finally Beverly comes and hears me and she goes, that's a gift. Like, that's a gift. You need to go do this. Like, these people really need what you have to say. And, and I had no interest. I also pretty homebody type guy. I didn't want to travel and speak and do all that. But this change of plans came with, you know, I loved impacting people. I, in fact, I told people I'd never do anything but real estate. I, I, I had made that. I I'd even said that on stage to people. I'll never not do real estate. Now, I still love real estate and I still buy and sell real estate. And I love the transaction, the negotiation and the deal. And I love what real estate offers. But the thing I loved best about it, and this is something she talked about, is the thing connected to a thing, right? So for her, the thing was she used music to connect with people. And for me, I love selling real estate because I loved impacting. Like a first-time buyer, I mean, I can picture the faces of people I put in their hands a set of keys. You know, I, I remember like a couple from Honduras. I had a couple from Mexico. I can see their face. I can see their expression when I hand them the keys to the house, you know? Or I'd be there and I'm in a difficult situation. I'm in the living room and I'm helping people with a very tough scenario. They've lost a job and I'm going to get them out of the house and sell the house for them and get this huge burden off their back. And so it was the impact. So the thing I used to say, I'm going to do real estate my whole life. But it was real estate gave me a chance to impact people. And then when another opportunity came along, I didn't jump ship. I was still committed to real estate. But then I go, oh, my gosh, I'm able to impact the ballroom full of people or a thousand people at a time. And that's turned into 10,000 people or 20,000 people at a time and then millions of people at a time. And I thought that was brilliant when Maya talked about the thing is not the thing. Like, what is the thing? So that was a positive thing. First of all, I said I'd always live in Ireland. Well, change of plans. Then there was, I'm always going to be in real estate. Oh, change of plans. And then we build the largest real estate training company in the world. And we're coaching and training people. We have a huge business, 400 plus employees. And then here comes a great recession. So that was another major change of plans. And I stayed in the profession, stayed in it. But I, you remember the phrase I coined, recession is a terrible thing to waste. And that was the rallying cry. We became a very different type of organization with very different product line, a very different way of applying ourselves. Kept the foundation and the principles the same. Still did coaching. But now we had a totally different application that now leads to, you know, we coach people in 47 different types of business, not just real estate. So, you know, I've had my share and a lot more than just this. But I think a change in plans, most people view it as a negative thing that happens to them. That doesn't have to be the case. But I will say this, along with each one of these came what she talked about, this whole dynamic of identity foreclosure. You know, for me, when I got in a motorcycle accident, it was obviously I was in debt. I was a young guy. I'm a long way from home. My parents don't have any money. But I went from being an Irishman to an American. And it wasn't necessarily a voluntary choice at the time. And so the big issue I struggled with for years was, you know, because now, now I was in America. I owed all this money. I had all these operations to still have. I couldn't go home. Then I met Beverly and, you know, you fall in love and then we start having a family. And it was almost like I never really chose to move to America. America kind of chose me in that way. So I had that identity dynamic. And so I used to t say to Beverly all the time, I feel like I belong in the middle of the Atlantic. You know, I loved the culture of Ireland. I loved the humor and the crack, as we say. I loved not having to explain a joke or say, I'm kidding after you say something. Because everybody's joking all the time in Ireland. But then also, I loved the attitude of the American people. I love the entrepreneurism. I love this freedom. I love the spirit. I love the, you know, and again, I eventually did become American by choice when I became a citizen. Think about it. 
I got hit in 1986. I didn't become a citizen until 2002. And again, people think about the story, and I've told this story many different ways, but it does come with an identity uh, foreclosure. I identified myself as a realtor. I'm a realtor, Brian Buffini. By the way, I have clients that will still give me shtick. I have this one family I've served, so many members of this one particular family. And I used to say, Brian Buffini, your personal realtor for life. <laughs> and they would always give me grief. You know, my personal realtor for life became a speaker. <laughs> oh, right? Brilliant. And they all, Brian Buffini, and they'd ham up the Irish accent. <laughs> my personal realtor for life. You know, what life was it? You know, a life sentence is only. And, you know, we'd say, oh, yeah, I got off with good behavior. You know, my identity was in being a realtor. What I learned from that, by the way, was over not to have my identity be in, in being a speaker or in being a CEO or being, you know what I mean? So I learned those things. And so when she talked about that, and then the Great Recession was like, okay, we have this huge company with these huge employees and you've got huge net worth and the hundreds of millions of dollars and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, you know, over the course of a couple of years, that all gets hammered. You know, you find yourself slipping into this identity. So I think when change happens, whether it's positive or negative, I think that dynamic she talked about with the identity and the identity foreclosure, I think that's a huge thing to recognize that that's something that has to get offered up when you go through these changes. Yeah, that's wild. I I know you 20 plus years. I've worked for you for 20 years. I know you longer than that. But I never knew the motorcycle riding Brian. uh, I never knew the realtor Brian. Yeah. I've known you as the the guy on stage and then more traveling with you, getting to know you more and seeing the the magic that happens behind the scenes to make all of that come together. You know, it's funny you say that, Dave. Like, so what will happen is sometimes I'll meet someone from that old life, right? And they'll have a little, like, I go home to Ireland, like, who do you think you are? <laughs> like, I, I don't, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, right. You know, right. I remember when you couldn't put two sentences together, yeah. right? Or, you know, I'll meet people from my real estate past. And many, I have great experience. Some people are like, I can't believe what you've gone on and done with your life. Mm. But other people are like, hey, you know, you're just a realtor to me. Like, great, fine. I'm good with all of that. So it's interesting when you make these changes positively mm. and otherwise, there's people who will still want to connect to your old identity. See you in the old way, right? She, uh, she, I was looking at the, uh, the definition she had for identity foreclosure in a piece that she had done um, for, I think it was Inc. magazine. It was a disconnect between how we see ourselves and who we really are. Basically, what's holding us back is our own limited perception of who we want to be or believe we are. And then she talked about entrepreneurs maybe unsurprisingly, being the biggest offenders there. Yeah, I think it's very easy to get caught up in what you do, becoming who you are. On one hand, you want to take pride in your work. You want to devote yourself to it. And then even branding, like if you own a small business, your brand becomes your personal brand. You know, think about it. A brand is an identity. Uh, Sometimes that identity then gets into an image and change comes along and those images can be shattered. You know, sometimes it's a false image. And so it's tricky, right? And that's one of the things I thought was great. I mean, she's obviously such a a smart person, but she talks about the nuance to all this. And that many good marketers would encourage somebody who owns a small business or self-employed to build a brand identity. And it's very easy for that brand identity to become a person's image. It could even become their self-image. And then they can't stop being that person, you know? She talked about the common denominators to change, uh, I would say, Everyone loves to hear about this stuff, right? Uh, change is, is, uh, is our favorite thing, of course. Yeah, right. Uh, why is it so hard? Again, I'm going to chew on what she had to say, which is we dislike uncertainty. You know, so when she talked about, like, and again, I just have my notes written down from the call here. 
You know, she said people with a smaller chance of electric shock were more anxious than those who would surely get shocked. <laughs> that was wild. You know what I mean? <laughs> Couldn't believe that. <laughs> she said she changed her relationship with uncertainty. And I would love to have known more about that and built an identity as someone who's mm. challenge oriented. Now, it seems to me that she was somewhat driven as a child, but that she took that into, okay, I'm a person who's challenge oriented. And there's some people who are challenge averse. But I think when it comes to uncertainty, it's a great thing to go, okay. You know, she talked about this dynamic of cognitive mm. closure to it. That's okay. This is a problem. This is a difficulty. And it's a mindset that can be cultivated over time. The other thing she said mm. is we're not great at predicting how bad or good change will be. When she said that, I, I, you know, sometimes your mind wanders. I'll tell you what I went on to think about. I was playing in a golf tournament last weekend. And I was playing where it was a pretty good tournament. There was a lot at stake. And my partner hit a shot and he's like, no, 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 no. And it hit the flag and went in the hole. And I went, go, 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 go. You know, <laughs> he was heading for trouble, right? And I think we do that. Like something happens, like it's change, it's difficult. If you're wired a certain way, and I'm, I'm wired a certain way, that we can think, oh, this is just bad. Mm. But we actually don't know if something's going to be good or bad for a while. Like sometimes this stuff produces good. A great example is the coming recession. You know, and I, again, I saw a story today where very one of the strong market makers says there's no recession coming. I think there is. And I think a lot of people would be freaked out by it. That's why this guy runs a big fund. He's trying to keep all his investors calm. But I think a lot of good comes. And that's why I said a recession is a terrible thing to waste. I think it's going to be mild, but I think like good things can come from it. But we're very bad, all of us, at predicting a change comes. Is this good or bad? Like, we all know that adversity we face has been the making of us. So sometimes we think, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Just like the guy who hit the golf shot. It's like, ah, didn't that work out great? You know, you and your band, you know, you went through a whole bunch of changes. You had this tight little band and all kinds of things happened. And and now you got this band with a bunch of, you know, some of the best musicians in the world. And the next thing you know, you're playing these big gigs and doing the cruises and all that stuff. And at the time, it looked like, oh, man, something I've worked on for years and years and years. Right. It's gone. Yeah. And now it turns out, okay, started out not looking great and it turned out to Mm -hmm. be great. No, it's unrecognizable. Yeah. She talked about the nuance inside of that. I loved that stuff where she was saying, you know, we think change like a promotion or a health issue or whatever. We we think very one dimensionally about it, but it's the nuance and it's all the all the uh, the knock on effects. Pretty amazing. Yeah, complexity was the word she used. I thought that was good. And then the last thing she said, which was important, was that there'll be growth. When we deal with any kind of adjustment, there's going to be growth. It was interesting she brought up the word curiosity. But I think we got to be curious. And, uh, you know, I talked about in the past episode, you got to be humble and you got to be curious and uh, you got to be open to get help as kind of the, the secret cocktail of success for how to think successfully. And it was interesting. I could, I could see that thread in what she was talking about. You know, so we we don't like the uncertainty. We're bad at predicting it. So we should just kind of, hey, let's just wait and see here. And then at the end of the day, no, no matter what this, whether this goes one way or the other, there's going to be growth at the other side of it. And at the end of the day, every one of us as human beings, we feel better when we're growing. And you grow or die, right? And so, okay, it might have some nervousness. There might be some anxiousness. But at the end of the day, if we kind of hold on, we, we should be okay here. And we don't know if it's going to be good or bad. It's kind of like the movie. We don't know the ending yet, right? And we might be on the beach and save on to nails, So just hang on. 
I loved what she said about relying on past experiences to navigate change as she was talking about, you know, things that she's faced. And then she one day she sat back and she, she just thought to herself, I haven't faced this particular situation before. Uh, that doesn't mean I can't handle it. If I just look back at my own life or, you know, she talked about the lives of others and employ the underlying psychology that moved her forward before. So how does that apply to our listeners for, for the entrepreneurs tuning in? Is there a commonality for navigating change? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't mention something I've mentioned before. You know, I've owned 47 businesses and one of them failed. Good record, except that's not how it felt. So I had one business failure and looking back on it now, yeah, there were some things in there that weren't my responsibility, but there were things in there that were. I lost $2.9 million, which, you know, we're talking almost 30 years ago. My great mentor, Gene Kuhlman, said, Brian, you've been to a $2.9 million seminar. Now, this is the guy who brought me to my first ever seminar. He brought me to hear Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and Tommy Hopkins, and he got me introduced to personal growth, and he was the first guy to do it, the great Gene Kuhlman. That was a, that was a great way of digesting it, I'm sure. Well, he was a brilliant guy. Here's mm. why. You know, Gene was 30 years older than me. Mm. He'd been there and done that. He, he'd had a lot of changes in his life. He'd lived out what Maya's podcast is about every week, you know? And he knew. He knew if if I took the time to digest it, you know, and it's kind of like, what were my patterns? You know, how, how did I get into that? You know, what red lights did I run? And then what would I do differently next time? He, here's the truth of the matter. The greatest gift, in hindsight, just like Maya talked about, in hindsight, she had all this vision for herself as a young person. But in hindsight for me, Buffini Company, which has become this, you know, almost three decade, best in brand, remarkable organization. And I, I talk about it. It has my name on it. And we can talk one day about how that all happened. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's a remarkable group of people, a remarkable entity that, you know, has this amazing brand. It's got these results where basically the average person increases their income by a factor of 10. But most people, when they're asked, you know, they've been clients for 20 or 25 years ago. Yeah, it's just changed my life. I mean, the reason I'm here has changed my life. And and once in a while, they say, oh, yeah, and I'm making a lot more money, too. But I look back on that, and I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Without the business that failed, without the $2.9 million seminar, Buffini Company never goes. It never goes anywhere. And part of the reason was, you know, that I would say there were some red lights that I ran that I made sure not only were I, was I not going to run those red lights again, what patterns did I have? I put in motion accountability and structures. So I'd never, that was my kind of default. I was going a little too quick. I didn't have a detailed enough plan. I approached it as a salesman. The business that failed, that business made a ton in sales. I probably brought 30 or 40 times the sales to the entity I took over. But sales weren't enough. So I was thinking like a salesman. I grew, grew, grew. That's what's going to do it. I didn't have a detailed enough business plan. I didn't have a long-term business plan. I didn't have the accountability in place. And it was all too dependent upon me. And so when I started building Bavinian Company, that was the opposite of what I built. And that's why this thing's lasted not only 26 years and several recessions and changes in the market and all the different things that have gone on in the world and COVID and whatever else. And it's thrived throughout them all. Again, we all look back on things, oh, the worst thing that ever happened, but it was the best thing. You know, it was, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad it happened. I think the big thing there is when she talked about it, our own underlying psychology as entrepreneurs. We have to take those lessons, view them as, okay, that was the seminar I went to. And Gene was right. If I paid $2.9 million for that information, what would I do with it? And I'll tell you this, I've made more than $2.9 million with that information. 
it was the university I needed to go to. A little bit of the school of hard knocks and a little bit of humble pie because I'd never known failure up until that point in time. But I sure was aware of it afterwards. Costly but priceless, right? Yeah, there you go. Ooh, Mr. Lally's on farm today. Come on. Nice. Uh, She talked about three keys to navigating change. Can you tell me what what did you digest from that? Yeah. Now, again, I got a couple of these from her. I threw one in myself, but... And we kind of went back and forward on a little bit. But, you know, she repeatedly said, stay humble. In fact, I'm, I'm working on an upcoming episode, which I think you're going to love. And it's um, the success cocktail. And I'm basically putting together the ingredients of what it takes to have successful thinking. And I'm going to give you a little preview. One of them is humility. And I think you're really going to get a lot out of that podcast because it'll kind of tell you what Maya was talking about, which is, that is a key ingredient. Now, here's a gal with postdoctorate work and PhDs and more letters after her name. She's worked in the White House. She has one of the top podcasts in the world, and she's saying the key ingredient for her is humility in handling change. I talked about it being present, and I think maybe for her it's such an obvious thing. And she talked about for herself, she was kind of wanting to be an advocate for the past and the future. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, in my own work on this area, I've seen the dynamic to be present during the midst of change. Now, she wanted you to learn from your past and have something to look forward to in the future, and I get that. But the other dynamic is when you're in the midst of change, the key is be humble and be present. Just be present, like take each day at a time. By the way, when it's really hard, that's all you can do. Like after I lost my house in a fire, another slight change of plans, you lose everything you own, a list of 750 things to do. The only way my bride and I could get through it was one day at a time. We had six young kids. We were homeschooling. We lost the house and the school. We lost all our possessions. We lost everything. And we're in a rental house trying to... Actually, we were in a hotel room for seven weeks with six young kids trying to figure it out. And the only way to do that was to be present. You know, we were at dinner the other night. We had the whole family together. And they were talking about with great delight the evenings we had at the La Costa Span Resort, which was the seven weeks we stayed at a hotel while our house burned down. And, you know, I look at it and it wasn't kind of gallows humor or anything like that. It was, it was a cool thing. We were very present. And then last thing is to give some grace. So stay humble, be present, and then give grace. And she, she was talking about it like, you know, be kind to people. And that that's one of the ways, whether it's a smile, whether it's an you know, acknowledgement, whatever, just be kind to people. And, you know, we're losing a bit of that in culture. But if you really want to navigate the change, that's one of the ways to do it. So I thought, you know, great stuff, brilliant lady, very articulate. She's got a great future. Obviously, she's got a great presence. I was delighted to have her. Oh, it was fantastic. I liked her, her how-to for each day that she, she tries to smile at a stranger on the street. Such a small thing to do, you know, and easy to not do. But uh, thanks as always, Brian. This, you know, going deeper with the how-tos on the interviews is such a nice uh, format, a nice take. If you want to ask Brian a question on the podcast, go to speakpipe.com slash it's a good life, and maybe he'll answer it directly on a future podcast. In the meantime, here's a woman who's had a lot of experience with a change in plans, and she always took it in her stride with an Irish blessing. Over to you, Therese Buffini. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.